0: Uh, President Biden announced that we're officially moving out of the crisis phase of COVID so that's you know hope that's gonna be good that was during uh, the State of the Union address which is also one of the most divisive times for for us always Uh, you know I just wonder if sometimes I just wonder if Congress went to kindergarten where they learned to share and play together nicely I don't think any of them did but anyway uh, but, you know, it's been almost three years since that COVID crisis has started. We're still seeing, you know, we're still seeing the reports of it. I've seen friends on Facebook and people talking about getting COVID still and it's just something we're going to wind up living with. And as we've already prayed today, we know that there was that devastating earthquake in Syria and Turkey. In case you haven't seen the map, I think we have one for you here so you can kind of see the area that was covered there in Syria and Turkey. And when I, when I was putting the finishing touches Wednesday on this message, I noted that it was the death toll was 21,000, but this morning it's 33,000 people that they are, bodies that they have recovered so far, and uh, just horrible, horrible stuff. So Hunter, thank you for leading us through this, um, uh, the prayer time for them, and continue to do so. We can't imagine what that's, what that's like, uh, having, you know, going through something like that. So uh, tough things, and last week we looked at the fact that God knows us. And he knows what's going on. But today we're going to take it just a little bit deeper. That God not only knows us and knows what's going on, but God is with us in all of this. And so I've asked Ashley to come up and read scripture for us today. So I asked if you'd come on up. And we're still in Psalm, chapter, Psalm 139. And we're going to look at the next six verses, verses 7 through 12. So Ashley, if you'd come on up and thank you for reading scripture for us today. Good morning, everyone. I'm Ashley, and I will be reading the scripture for you today. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Thank you, actually Appreciate that so much. All right. Thank you. We'll just put that away there. So, wow. As we look at that, let's, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we've prayed many times in this service so far, and there's so many things to be thankful for, and there's so many things to be wary of and weary of, Lord. Father, as we look at the things around this world that are going on, the things of which we have no control, it reminds us how small we are. And Father, as I look out over our congregation today, I know this week has been a week of some joys and some things to celebrate and it's been a week of sorrows for many people in this congregation. Father, there are uncertain things in the future and we are just reminded that we do not control the future. Father, thank you that Sunday mornings are time to remind us that we serve and love and are loved by a God who knows the future and controls it. Thank you for that. And thank you, Father, for this reminder from the psalmist today that not only do you know what's going on, but you are in the trenches with us, walking with us all the way. Father, thank you and guide our hearts as we look into those words today. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. So we're back in Psalm 139, and the psalmist is looking, you know, we looked at those first six verses about how God knows, knows when we sit down, when we rise up, he knows our path, our lying down, he's, you know, just, he, he knows it all, he sees it close up and he sees it from afar. And the psalmist today is coming, opens up with this, in verse 7, with this rhetorical question, he says, where can I go from your spirit, where can I flee from your presence? Now, I don't think the psalmist is asking, God, how can I get away from you? He's asking that rhetorical question as a way of, of reminding himself, God, I can't get away from you. No matter where I go, no matter what happens, you are there with me. And he takes this thing in verse 7 and he illustrates and expands it. That's sort of a thing for this psalm. He'll make a statement, he'll expand it, and then he'll apply it. And so in verses 7 and 8, he, he, uh, he uses those polar opposites we talked about last week. Remember last week we talked about that God says, um, "I see you close up, I see you afar, I see when you lie down, I see when you rise up, I see when you're moving, I see when you're resting." Well, in verse eight and nine, He does a few more polar expresses expressions, and you guys get that polar expression, don't you? Those of you married probably had polar expressions in your wedding vows: for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health, that kind of thing. All right, so you get that that idea of those polar expressions there, uh, polar. Uh, uh, opposites that express the totality of the idea so here's what he says he says God if I go up to heaven you're there now that wouldn't be a surprising statement to the people of his day because they had sort of thought and we still kind of think of it today as heaven being up there somewhere we don't know for sure heaven's not up there in the skies somewhere you know it's not like on another planet or something though there are some cults that do teach that uh, that heaven's on another planet somewhere but uh, but it's still sort of our symbolic way of looking for heaven being up there above us where, where God has control over all of it. And so they would all go, yes, of course God is up in heaven. That is his dwelling place. But then he says the opposite of that. He says, if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Now, Sheol is a word we only see in the Old Testament. And here's what it basically meant. It was, it was during the time that the psalmist was writing this. And again, we don't know if it it was David writing it for sure, if it was written about David or whatever. So I just use the word the psalmist. If you prefer to think that David himself penned it, then that's great. It it might have been David, for all we know. Um, But the psalmist, during the time it was written, they didn't have exactly the same idea of afterlife as we have today. You know, we sort of think of afterlife, there's two choices, heaven and hell. Those who believe in Jesus and have yielded their lives to him go to heaven Those who resist God go to hell where they're eternally separated. But back then, they didn't quite have that idea. They had the idea that everybody who died went to this sort of misty place called Sheol, somewhere down below, and actually good people and bad people both went there. Now, later on in the the Old Testament times, they sort of had a divide between. They said, okay, the the good people went to this part of Sheol, and the bad people went to that part of Sheol, and there's this chasm in between. And actually, you see that in Jesus' story about Lazarus and the rich man. And if you read that in Luke 19, that Lazarus says, you know, uh, the the rich man says, send Lazarus over here to to, to dip his finger in the water and cool my tongue. And Abraham says, I can't, there's this chasm between us. Now, again, Jesus was telling a story there. It might have been an actual story that happened, or Jesus may have been using an illustration at that point. But that idea at that time was, that's what they thought. Now, don't freak out. Don't hear what I'm not saying, all right? I'm not saying that's what it is. Okay, that, that I think the modern day example that Jesus gave us of, of hell and heaven, that's, that's, that's pretty real right there. That's, that's where we're going. But, but God used that in the Old Testament to help people get a concept of the afterlife. Remember, there were a lot of Jewish people that didn't even believe in the afterlife. The Sadducees were some of those. We saw those when we looked at them in Acts. But, so all we need to know right now is the psalmist is basically saying, if I go down to where the dead are, in his day, that was as far away as you could get from God was down in Sheol in their minds. And if I go way down there, that's as far as way, because God's up in heaven, that's His dwelling place, and Sheol is where all the dead people go, and God's not there. That's what they thought. And the psalmist says, no, that's not really right. Because what we're thinking of as Sheol, that's not really separated from God. God's even there. That God exists everywhere. That even after death, God is not going to leave us. Okay, now again, don't freak out over I see some looks and faces like, wow, what is he talking about here? I'm telling you what they thought of back in that day, all right? I'm not preaching that there's Sheol and that's where I'll go, okay? I believe in the traditional heaven and hell, just like, just like uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, in, in traditional and um, uh, evangelical Christianity there. But I'm just telling, telling you what the psalmist was trying to say is, he picked the place in that day they thought was as far away from God as you get. He says, if I go down there, if I make my bed there, if I I die and I'm separated from God, I'm not really. Because God is still there. No matter how high you go, there's God. No matter how low you go, there's God. And it's a symbol even for our life today, even before death, while we're here in this life. No matter how great things are, God is still there with you to walk alongside you, to rejoice in it with you, and to help you know how to use successes and blessings well. And no matter how bad things get, no matter how low you go, God is there to walk alongside you saying, it's going to be okay. I know it hurts. I know it's frustrating. I know you may not understand all that's going on right now, but I'm here walking alongside you. That's what the psalmist is trying to say. Blessings and pains, both. God is there walking with us through all of it. Then the psalmist expands it again with that, uh, another polar opposite. He says, if I take the wings of the dawn, in other words, if I go to where the sun rises, if I go as far east as you can imagine to where the sun rises over the mountains, you're there. Or if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea. And in fact, if you look at a map of Israel, just like in California, the sea was over to the west where the sun set. And so if I go as far east as I can go, you're there. If I go as far west as I can go, over to the edge of the sea, God, you're still there. There's no place that I can get away from you in this life or in the next. You are with me, God in everything as high as you can go there's God as low as you can go there's God as far as you can go east or west as far as you can go morning and evening there's God with us walking alongside now it's verses like this that have given rise to a principle that we talk about a lot of times God's omnipresence that God is everywhere and that gets real confusing to people because there's some people that confuse that to mean that God is not only a verb, God is everything. And that's something called pantheism. And there's some people that say, like, God is in everything. That's not exactly right, okay? God is not in everything. God is not in that chair. God is not in these speakers. God is not, you know, you know in this stage, that kind of thing. It's not that just God is, like, every, everything is made up of God. You hear that a lot of times. People talk about, like, you know, our bodies are made of the stuff of stars, Well, that may be. We're all made up of, you know, our physical bodies are all made up of atoms, you know, and that's basically what stars are made of. So, yeah, you could say that. There's electrons, protons, and neutrons. You know, I want to go like, you know, yeah, we're made up of stuff of atoms, but so is the stuff in the garbage heap made up of stuff of atoms. So what's the big deal about that? But what it's really trying to say is that God is aware of everything, and he touches everything. And I've, I've tried to look for examples, blowing my mind trying to figure this out, of how to say, you know, what is... How do we how do we give an example of it? And I looked at a lot of different things, and just nothing. There's nothing really I could come up with that really was a good example out of it. I'm just going to say this, and I, this is what I wrote. Okay, so I'm going to try to read it because it was confusing me to try to, to try even understand it. All right. So the world is not God. That's not that's not it. But the world was created by God, and God is aware of and present. in every atom or every little section, every little subatomic particle of the universe, that God, that God touches all of it. Um, it's sort of like, you know, I, I, examples I've looked at have been like fish and water, you know, the, the water just every, is everywhere in a fish and everywhere in his world and that kind of thing, that's just still limited. And I've looked at things of like drawing a line on a piece of paper and the line is, you know, the lines finite but the paper touches the line at every part and that didn't fit quite either this here's all i'm trying to say is that this is what he's trying to communicate is that god is aware of everything that's going on it's not about the size of god it's about god's knowledge and his power and his control and his understanding of everything that god actually is aware of every little bit of your world and more. That the God who keeps the galaxy spinning is also aware of every drop of blood that's flowing through your veins right now. Every thought that fires between the synapses in your neurons, God is aware of right now. He's, he's so totally aware of everything that's going on. God is aware of every thought that you're thinking. He's aware of everything that you're feeling. He's aware of every relationship that you have. He's aware of everything that makes you happy, everything that makes you sad, everything that makes you afraid, everything that makes you comfortable. God is right there with you. It's not just that he knows about it, he, he doesn't know it from watching You know, if you've got, like, a favorite TV show that you watch and you really learn the characters, you know, sometimes you can predict what a character's going to say because you've gotten to know not so much the character but the writers behind that character. It's not that. It's not that God just can predict what you're going to do. It's God's there in it with you. God is so aware of every little bit about you. Okay? He knows you as he knows himself because he's there everywhere. At the farthest point of the universe, God is there. Right here in this very room, God is here. As we said, in every atom of your body, God is there. God, because he is God, because he is God, exists far beyond our dimensions of time and space. Yet he exists in his fullness in all parts of our time and space. Let me say that again. God, because he is God, exists far beyond what we perceive as time and space. Yet because he is God, he exists in every moment, in every place within our time and space. He's aware of it. It's not again about his size. It's about his power, his knowledge, his understanding, and his control. Here are a couple of verses, I think, that help to help bear this out for us, okay? Romans 11.36 says, uh, uh, says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Everything came from him. Everything operates through him. And everything winds up in him. Okay. And then Romans, uh, no, excuse me, Colossians 1, 16, 17. Boy, this is one of my favorite verses in Colossians. For by him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, both the visible and the invisible. By the way, let me stop there for just a moment. We've been talking about atoms and stuff like this. I just actually was reading, reading stuff on this week. Did you know that, that the atoms, that atoms, that what we call matter, really makes up less than 10% of the known universe? And most of that is hydrogen. The atoms that we're made of, the, 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 the higher, you know, uh, what are we made up of? Uh, uh, carbon and oxygen and calcium and stuff like that that makes up all of those together make up 0.03% of the universe all right that 90% of the universe is dark matter and dark energy that we can't even see and that's before we even knew that thing existed here was here was Paul in Colossians saying for by him all things were created both the heavens and the earth visible and invisible isn't that cool that long before we even understood what that meant. He said, all that stuff out there that you don't see, God created that too. He says, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, that's all the heavenly realms there, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Let me give you a little short one on that one too. I know I'm not preaching on these passages today, but I love some of this stuff in there. As I was reading this and understanding this trying to understand the universe that we're in. Uh, do you know that one of the reasons that we, we know that, that 90% of the universe has been made up of dark matter because the laws of physics as we understand them, galaxies would fly apart if there weren't 10 times more matter, 10 times more stuff in the universe than we can see. And also, scientists have figured out there are four fundamental uh, forces in the universe. All right, for the for the teenagers that still remember this kind of thing, there's, um, there's uh, electromagnetism, there's um, uh, the strong force, which is uh, what holds atoms together, there's the weak force, which is like gravity and that kind of thing, and then there's uh, uh, radioactive decay. Those are the four known fundamental forces of the universe. Every force could be re- that we know can be held into that. However, again, if, they're, if, they're, if just those four forces don't explain why the universe holds together. So scientists have post- postulated this enigmatic fifth force called dark energy that is what is the glue that holds the universe together and again paul said and in him all things hold together there's so much of this world we can't see that we don't understand yet god is still present because he created it all and he still controls it all and he still knows it all and this is the amazing thing to me that the god who sets the universe spinning and so much stuff than we will ever know. That's the God who is with us. Is with us. Do you ever have a time that you had a, a parent or a boss or a spouse that you needed something and they were just too busy for you? Imagine how busy God is keeping the universe moving. And he's still right there with you. He never says, no, i got to handle this emergency first. All right? I mean, can you imagine how much it must have sucked for superman's if he had ever had kids you know they're like they're having dinner and all of a sudden he's got to go you know rescue some plane that's falling out of the sky somewhere you know that would just that would just be terrible for superman's that, that our god doesn't do that he handles all that stuff and he's still with us all the time everywhere that is our god that just blows me away guys so what does this all mean for us okay here it means that God, is just all we need to say out of this is God is with us in all this. And the psalmist continues that in verse 10. He's saying not only God is with him, but that God touches him and helps him. It doesn't matter what's going on. God is still there with him. He says, okay, let's go back and look at, look at verse 10 again, all right? So he says, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. You're never too busy for me. No matter where I go, you're still there reaching out to me, ready to lead me and guide me, help me know where to go. Think of that. We see things, examples of that in our world all the time. Um, the parent that's walking down the sidewalk and their kid starts to walk out in front of traffic and they just put their hand on their shoulder to stop them. The husband who, who is walking and sees a puddle and puts his hand in the small of his wife's back to guide her out of the way or to be egalitarian the wife that may do that to a husband that's clueless it could be either way all right so i just want to i just want to be there i'm not being sexist all right but that kind of thing that's that's the that's the image i get for for god there just laying his hand on us and saying it's going to be okay step this way this is what you need to do eat no matter where i go even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. That's just great, great verses there. Because think about it. You have this great and powerful God, but if he was an impersonal force that just didn't care, what good would it mean to be to us? But he says, I'm not an impersonal force. I'm the God who reaches out and touches you, who walks right with you. That idea of God being with us. In fact, Hunter preached on that at Christmas time. All right, Emmanuel, means God with us. Matthew one twenty three. That was the name Jesus known by God being with us. It's the difference from being present with somebody and being present with somebody? Okay, and guys, you know what we mean. How many times have we had our wives talking to you and you're sitting there going, going like. Okay, she just asked me a question, and I didn't catch all of it, so what was she talking about for the last five minutes? Okay, I remember I lost her about the time that the Knicks scored that basket, and so then what was it, you know, all right, um, or to be egalitarian. I know why I should do this. He was talking something about the car, and I don't remember what it was. There was some light light I got to check or something, but what was it? so So you've been that present with somebody but not present with them. And I swear I can say with Paul, I am the chief sinner. All right, my wife would testify to that. I have been—I'll make fun of it. That's a—that's a—that's a tough thing sometimes uh, to not be here to say, okay, wh- where did you go f- there? All right, what happened? But God is not like that. He is with us, right here, all the time. In fact, we go back to the, what what um, Hunter preached on at Christmas time. One of my favorite sayings, and I love is it talks about a Christmas saying, I love to write in Christmas, I saw it in a Christmas card a long time ago, I haven't seen it since then, but I write it sometimes in my Christmas card, is the, the beautiful mystery of Christmas is that the God who walked among us now lives within us. That Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, dwells within us now to be with us always. That's a crazy and That's what the psalmist said. He didn't have that idea of the Holy Spirit. He didn't have the idea of Jesus even at this point. But even then, he was ready to see that God walks with us now. And it was foreshadowing Jesus, who came to bind his life with us, to take our busted old life and trade it for his perfect life that was in perfect relationship with God. He is God is not just walking with us as the Old Testament believers did but he's deeply connected with us and intertwined with us through his Holy Spirit. And why does God do this? God is with us because he cares for us. And because he cares for us, we get to our last point, God is with us no matter what. And that's what the psalmist talks about at the very end. He says, if I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around will be be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Now that can sound sort of weird there at the moment. Like God's not very smart that he doesn't consider dark and light or good and evil or whatever. That's not what the psalmist is saying. The psalmist could be saying one of two things. He could be talking about the darkness overwhelming me being that, that I'm trying to hide from God. That I try to hide from God. It's like I disappear into the darkness to hide. That, that's one thing he could mean out of that. And he says, if that's the case, no matter where I try to hide, you can still find me. And that's it God does. As Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Not to hunt us, but to seek us and save us. And so that's one thing the psalm could be meaning. But probably more likely, the psalmist was talking about the difficulties that were going on. If you look at the psalm in its, in its entirety, and you think about the life of David, he's saying... If evil overtakes me, if something really bad happens to me, if I get get attacked by an enemy, or I deal with a sickness that I can't handle or whatever, if something, what we perceive as evil, overwhelms us, and I am just overwhelmed by the darkness, and I can't even find my way, even then, the darkness is not dark to you. And no matter what has overcome me, you will find me, and you will reach out to me. Some of you in our congregation have faced death of loved ones this week. Um, I learned late last night that a dear, dear friend from the Korean church where I pastored just passed away. And, um, man, those things are just painful. And in 2023, we will face some more pains. There will be some things that we weren't expecting that will overwhelm us. And yet, even in that, God says, I see you. I know where you are. In fact, I don't only see you. I'm with you right there. I'm still there to lead you, to lay my hand on you and take care of you, to walk with you through all of this. And even if it's a sin that you caused yourself, we can now take this in the New Testament world. The psalmist wasn't thinking about this, but I want to apply this now in our New Testament understanding of what it means to have Jesus in our lives that he's saying, even if that sin is something that you did, you made a mistake, you screwed up, I'm still going to find you. Because I am more powerful than your sin. Darkness doesn't hold anything over me. I still see it through. Because we look in the Old Testament, there's a verse, Isaiah 59-2, and I use this sometimes. In fact, I think I mentioned it at prayer meeting a couple of weeks ago. Psalm 59-2 says, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And I think there is a sense that our iniquities, our sins, when we sin, we, we make a separation between God. We're not able to hear Him or feel Him as much. But you know what? That was superseded in Romans 5-8. That says, but God demonstrates his love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That in the Old Testament, they were afraid of their sins, hiding them from God and and just making it impossible for them to relate to God. But yet we know through Jesus, God has beaten sin with Jesus' death, death on the cross. That even if you make a mistake, and you sin, and you screw up with something, God says, I still see you. I am there to reach out to you and remind you that Jesus died to pay the penalty for that sin. And I still love you, and I am still here to guide you. Oh, goodness. I love that image here. Even the darkness is not dark to God. Nothing that scares me, nothing that can hurt me, Nothing that can hinder me can stop God. Whatever scares me, God is not scared of. Whatever confuses me and slows me down doesn't slow down God. The darkness doesn't hide anything from Him. You know, I think about darkness a lot, actually, at this church. This church has the weirdest lighting situation I've ever seen. It really does. You cannot walk into a building in our, in our thing with, and, and get lights right away okay? I can tell you the number of times I've run into one of these chairs coming in through this door and trying to get things ready for prayer meeting or whatever or anything like that and I'm having to walk down. Hunter says he's got it all memorized. He can just, he can just, he can do like, you know, uh, the 100 yard dash through here. I'm walking through like this trying to make sure. I fell down once in the, in the, in Kidsville going through there because you can't get the lights on and the doors, the shuts the door and I tripped over the stage and went down and I, I know, and I'm 65, so when I go down, it's a long way down, and it's even longer back up. Okay, Jackie, for you, you can just pop back up. You're young. Your body, I get a bruise. It's there for like seven years, okay? But, so our church has this weirdest and, and again, we've got, we've, got, we've got switches in the kidsville that don't, that don't turn on anything or turn anything off. We've got lights outside my office that aren't connected any switch. You can't turn them on. They're just up there for decorations. Okay? It's, it's where, by the way, Hunter, I noticed we had a light bulb out there in the, in, the, in the foyer, so we just take one of those outside of my office and just put it, because they're not doing anything there, all right? So I think about it a lot about light and darkness, and so I get times that I'm wandering around through the darkness. You know, I just take it as a reminder that when I see, when I see darkness, it doesn't hinder God at all and think about it for a moment what would darkness be like like if we could see in it? it wouldn't be darkness would you ever be afraid of the dark if you could see everything in it? no would you ever bump into a wall or a piece of furniture? would you ever stub your toe if you could see in the darkness? no darkness scares us but it never scares God, It never hinders him from finding us So think about some of the things that you have faced or may face, unemployment, sickness, isolation, uncertainty, anxiety. Guys, in the last three years, I've felt all of those or experienced all of those at one time or another. That, and there's so many other things you're going through that I can't imagine right now. So many of us are feeling this uncertainty Yet God not only knows what's going on, as we looked at last week, but we know that he's with us in the trenches, in the foxhole, in the midst of the battle. He sees the way through it. He sees our way through it. And he guides us through it. I want you to think for a moment. Is there any area of your life right now, any area of your life where you're struggling just think for a moment. By the way, it's okay to struggle. It's okay. We don't, we don't see the end game. We trust God, we can hope, we can pray, we can, all of that. But it's okay, God, God knows that we're gonna struggle. But, we don't just get into the struggle. You know, the psalmist never said that the darkness didn't bother him. In fact, he says, it bruised me. The phrase, I forgot to mention that, that when he says, when the darkness overwhelms me, the Hebrew word there is the word, it bruises me. Okay, that it, it, it may leave a mark, but he says, even those things that bruise him, the things that aren't fun, God is there with me. God is there with me. And for us in particular too, he's given us a church to help us through this also. And like you mentioned last week, that sometimes God reaches out to us through a church, fellow church member. In fact, this is just a small commercial. When, we, when, we, when Jeremy does the announcements, I want to talk about small groups during that so we can come back up at that point. But we're going to talk about ways that we can connect better so that we can help each other. But for today, for right now, just remember that God is with us. He's everywhere, but he's with us no matter what. And I want you to think about these things as you think about your areas of struggle, do you believe that God is with you in the midst of your pain? Do you really believe that? Let me tell you a little further. Do you act act like that? Because we can say we believe it up here, but sometimes we don't act like we believe it. Second, do you believe that God knows you and knows what's going on and he's right there with you in it? And are you willing to trust him for guidance in your struggles? That's what the psalmist is trying to say. No matter what you're dealing with, no matter where you go, no matter what mistakes you make, God is with you, ready to guide you and help you. And through his help, through the Holy Spirit, through our church, through scripture, Through other Christian friends, God uses all sorts of tools to help us make it not only from 2023 into 2024, but from this life into the next. Let's pray. Father, you are a great, loving God, and we just honor you for that. Thank you for this blessing.